I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Senior Vice President of Sales of Franklin Covey, Jennifer Colosimo. Uh, We're talking about the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Selling more than 40 million copies in 50-plus languages, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People has spurred profoundly increased levels of personal and organizational effectiveness for readers worldwide. It's transformed the lives of heads of states, presidents, CEOs, educators, students, parents, and millions of people of all ages and occupations who have assessed its principles, paradigms, and processes in their effort to achieve extraordinary results. With timely and inspiring content needed now more than ever, The Seven Habits continues to guide and propel generations of readers through change in these uncertain times. As a keynote speaker, panelist, and member of the Franklin Covey's leadership team, Jennifer Colosimo discusses how we can apply The Seven Habits during these unprecedented times. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Nice to have you here. Well, these are definitely, as we discussed before we even got on the air, these are unprecedented times, but the seven habits of highly effective people is so needed and appropriate during these times, um, because they are timeless. Um, but maybe you could start off with giving us some insight into why are the principles timeless? Why are these principles, why do they continue to be, um, effective, I guess, throughout the generations. Timeless principles. Think of what you might think of as timeless. So the the principle of choice, choice in my behavior, regardless of the circumstances, Uh, having a vision for what the future can look like, vision, really managing my own behavior. I feel like The Seven Habits was really a breakthrough in social-emotional intelligence. If you think of behavioral principles, having those, and then when you get to the principle of empathy and thinking about solutions and creative cooperation to make a difference, and as you think about the challenges that we're facing right now, the greater the challenges, the more applicable the habits are. Those principles are much easier when you're not facing a pandemic and really um, social challenges that we're having in our society today. Let's apply them, though, specifically. Let's talk about first the pandemic. Okay, how specifically do we apply these principles to the pandemic? Well, specific to the pandemic, the first habit is be proactive, which really is I get to choose my reaction. I have choice. And so one of the tools that we utilize is what we call circle of influence and circle of concern. If you right now wrote down everything that concerns you is related to the pandemic, and these are very serious concerns, health and safety, economic security, um, all of the things that we, the uncertainty is just painful. So all of the things that we are concerned about, what can I do in my influence? And it might be on the borders of my influence, but what can I do? What are some of the things I can do? Like, I can choose to continue to have a schedule. I can look at what um, my perspective is on the health and safety and the community responsibility that I have. 
Um, I can figure out if I'm lucky enough to have a job. I can figure out what to do with my Zoom fatigue and how to keep the day going in a positive, proactive way. So that's just habit one in applying to it. I think the one that is most applicable right now, both to the pandemic and other challenges, is habit five, which is the habit of empathy. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. One of the things Stephen Covey said, Stephen um, passed about, uh, uh, we're going on eight years, is when you really listen to the other person from their point of view, not your point of view, not to judge, not to assess, not to disagree, not to agree, but really give them understanding, it's the first step to getting to creative cooperation, and it's also like giving that human being emotional oxygen. Jennifer, we... Well, maybe we could put a, really put a face on that. What would we do in a situation like that in regard to the pandemic when you talk about empathy? Give, give, us, give us a scenario. Well, again, I'll use one for those of us who are um, lucky enough to be employed. Uh, there have been many struggles, I know, for so many with children and homeschooling and the challenges but one of the things that I have found is for all of us, whether employed or uh, unfortunately not or furloughed, is we are stressed out. And fear, of course, can devolve into a constant low-grade anxiety. That constant low-grade anxiety hijacks our ability to be completely logical. It's all in the back of our brain and the amygdala and the front part is struggling to be logical. People need to be checked in with, to be listened to empathically, meaning I'm just, you know, you may say something to me, Catherine, and I say, um, you're frustrated. Help me understand how it's feeling in your home. How are you effectively dealing with that? Help me, you feel blank about blank is really the kind of the basic level of empathy. Yeah. People, of course, would be really irritated if you use that all the time. But me not saying, oh, I feel awful too. Or my uncle has been sick with COVID, and my college graduate didn't get to go to graduation either. It's more of a I'm listening from your point of view and giving you the emotional oxygen to express what you think and feel. So that's the empathy. And each one of us has a different context, I guess, in terms of, as you say, some people have jobs, some people don't, some people are living by themselves, other people, and my listeners know I'm living, my grandchildren, I have uh, my son and and his wife and my three grandchildren, a set of twins, two-year-olds and a four-year-old living with me (laughs) in, uh uh-huh. So uh, what you're talking about is right on target because issues come up all the time and it's so important to be able to to empathize and to take time to do that and to not go after each other. And uh, there are just so many new scenarios that come up. Um, We haven't been I have women living together for 20 years. Uh, my son uh, is 40 years old. So, yeah, um, it's, but, you know, it's not easy to do that. I mean, I'm a social worker. I have some of those skills, obviously. But for right. people who this, yeah. So what do you suggest they do? Read the book. Um, but, well, um, there, yeah. there's a lot of things that help around empathy. Of course, the seven habits of highly effective people, this is, one of the foundational habits, 
one of the things that I think is unique about the book is it, none of the ideas are new. As you mentioned, you've learned many of them in your career. We've learned different skills. It's the way they build upon each other. So, for example, to your question, it is very difficult to have that empathy muscle if you aren't feeling um, like you have made choices and you're responsible for yourself and you're accountable. Um, a victim mentality, just meaning everything, everything else is somebody else's fault. And, of course, a lot of things are other people's fault. But that I haven't chosen what I can do in that face. It turns out that when you and I talk, I sometimes get, and, and I don't think people are conscious of it, I, I want to win this conversation, that I'm having a harder time or I need to prove myself is right, where those that are most secure in who they are, their vision for the future, are able to let that go for a moment in order to understand another person. And once I understand, of course, I should also get an opportunity to talk, but uh, the way they build. So in order to start with this, it really has to start with what are you trying to, if you will, accomplish? So if you and I are having a conversation, what am I trying to accomplish? Well, if we're friends, I want to maintain the relationship. I want you to think that I'm supporting you. I want to be supportive. And how do I best do that? If you really have a vision for this conversation, and if it's a conflict, what do I want out of this conflict? Do I want to resolve it? Do I want to come to something better than either of us thought of before? It's that habit to begin with the end in mind. Me winning in our conversation may not get me the results I want, so it's really a build um, of being proactive and having a vision, choosing your behavior, and then that empathic muscle gets easier. And there are other many other books on how to be more self-aware and self-manage, um, around emotional intelligence. I think what you just said, having a goal in mind, I think if you are, oh, if you, oh, that, that's really critical. Like, what is the goal? As you say, not to win this conversation and to prove that I'm right in this given whatever the issue is, but there is a goal. We want to get along. We are, we are living together. We are isolated and insulated and things are unpredictable, but what's our goal? Um, I think that's critical. I mean, that's really important. I know that is that has been for me, um, just to get pro like, I don't know what your circumstances are right now, but like, can you apply some of what we've been talking about to actually what's happening with you now? I mean, you have a job, like you said, some people have I jobs, do. other people don't have jobs at all. Um, but given where you are right now, how have you applied these, um, these, these seven habits? It, really <laughs> great question. I, um, so in, in terms of, uh, both the pandemic and our current um, struggles in our communities. Um, so my, my uncle actually passed away last week from COVID-19. Um, my youngest daughter, totally frustrated about what the job market looks like and the lack of finishing uh, her college experience, I, I lead a team across the U.S. and Canada that works with organizations around behavior change um, in, in many situations. Uh, we're being called on a lot right now around diversity and inclusion. 
uh, as well as building trust and being effective and building effective leaders. So I've got all of these people, um, some across different parts of the country, epicenters of the pandemic, epicenters of um, really anger and frustration. And um, I, I, I literally every day have to say to myself, and this is the beginning with the end in mind, okay, what do I want when, when maybe we actually get to a better place in our communities or when we all can return to the – I don't think it will actually be the lives that we had, but when we can return to something that feels more normal, and, and this is truly my strategy, what would I like this person, this group, these people that I interact with to say about how I supported them, about how I was in this situation, and what can I do today to make that come true, whether that's in 2021, whether that's in 2022, what do I want my daughter to say, what do I want my family to say around my uncle, what do I want the people, and what do I want my community, um, and, and am I living in alignment with that? And I've got to tell you, Catherine, it's very hard. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle, um, obviously, and I, I'm yeah, and I, and I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, you have so many, so many people maybe dependent upon you, not just in your business, but your family, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying, but when you wake up in the morning, where does the strength come from to be able to do all of this? Uh, <laughs> And if I'm being held out as a model of strength, we are in trouble. I'm just like everybody else um, in, in getting through it every day. But that's one of the important things out of the seven habits. They build for being personally effective to um, in relationship, the first six. And they're surrounded, if you ever look at the model, with uh, a seventh habit that's called sharpen the saw, the idea being... Uh, it was it was named that that you cannot somebody's just really trying to cut down a tree, and uh, you find out they're trying to cut it down with a dull saw. So that saw needs to be sharp. Um, I do my very best, and again, I would not hold myself out as a model. But there are the four elements that that we're aware of in many cases around healthy living, physical, mental, social, emotional, and spiritual meaning, whatever provides you meaning. And um, I have been really rigorous about getting up. I I frankly Zoom with some of my friends to work out. And um, sometimes I'm horrible at those workouts. And sometimes I'm not. But it helps me be somewhat social as well as physical. So it's, and there are other things I do in some of the other elements. I have a colleague that says, really the only tool you have to influence positively is yourself. And if you're not taking care of that tool, no matter how hard that is, and believe me, there's been nights that I'm going to bed at 7 and thinking, I don't know if I can do this tomorrow. I'm sure everybody, all of your listeners, may have thought that at one time or another. Um, But it's, it's carving out how can I be sharp enough to do this because, of course, sometimes I just lie there and think, oh, my gosh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to bed at seven and I'm somebody who usually goes to bed at one o'clock in the morning. What am I doing? I'm going to bed at 
seven and getting up at five and, you know, it's uh, <laughs> because there's... I, I, I understand completely. Uh, all right, I'm going to break. We don't have a lot of time left. So now we've been talking about the pandemic, but now we have this whole, you know, and, and you've been working on this, as you've been saying, but now we have all uh, demonstrations. We have all of this on layered on top of it or mixed together. Um, it, it almost seems like now, what do we do? How do we handle uh, what I'm asking you? you you are the expert. It's out. Um, so what do, how do we handle that? Um, you know, you, uh, thousands of people, peaceful demonstrations. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, I don't feel, I am not qualified <laughs> to be the expert. Um, number one, I am white. I am not black. And, so the actual day-to-day experience outside of the recent culminating experience, but the, the day-to-day experience and the lives that have been led there that lead to this, I haven't experienced. And um, that doesn't mean that I am not angry and not frustrated, particularly with, with the things that, um, that led to this, right? So... Yeah. I am not an expert, but I would say, and related to the seven habits, one, for me, um, the sixth habit is called synergize, which is really around the habit of collaboration and creative cooperation and getting to something better. And for me to contribute in a way that's meaningful, I think, first, I need to know identify bias, and we all have a bias, but is that bias serving or not serving me and my community, and cultivate connections that allow me to better understand what's happening and how to best um, contribute, and then dependent for me and for your listeners and for you, your situation and what feels safe and what they think they can do, choosing the courage to um, make a difference in the way that feels safe and comfortable for me. And uh, personally, I think really thinking about how can we get to a better situation, what does uh, a win-win habit forward look like, what kind of empathy needs to be in place, and how can we get to a better place than we were than what drove this and believe me, there's so many um, better experts than me on the phone to do it. I'm in a, um, a learning and an understanding and a supporting role that every day learns something new. But being open to it and being conscious, conscious of it and using my human gift of having a conscience and being able to see a better future, um, actually solving where we are right now, I mean, very hard. I, I would yes. not feel qualified in even speaking to it. But one thing you are, I, I'm qualified. You're a mother. You mentioned your daughter. And we're talking mm-hmm. about the next generation, which is key, right? And and carrying on these ha- seven habits of highly effective people and applying that to the next generation. How does it work with your own daughter? Because Yeah, um, well, in, in just in general or as applied to these situations? Well, as I was going to say, specifically in these times, we can talk about the pandemic or talk about what we're, you know what's mm-hmm. happening in terms of. Um, um, well, you mentioned synergy. Let's take that. In, in your relationship with your daughter, how are you? I don't know how, how old is she. Actually, I should ask you that. I actually have two. I have a, a 21 year old daughter, which is the one that we were referencing, and a 27 year old daughter uh, who's 
in her going to be starting her third year of law school. We don't know if that will be live or virtual. So they're adults. They're adults. They're adults, which is very different, of course, than than uh, children who have a well a different understanding of the world. My my two daughters are very. Um, aware of what's happening and very active, socially um, a- active uh, around equity and justice. So really, frankly, in working with, in, in, and I shouldn't say you're dealing with your daughters, in my relationship with my daughters, I have invested um, a significant amount of time in using that empathy muscle of how they feel their understanding. It's, it's so tempting at those times to say things like, this isn't your whole life. It'll get better. We've been through a crisis before. We'll get, I, have, I, by the way, have never been through anything like this, and I'm, well, above my 50s. So um, we'll, get, we'll get through this. You'll be fine. Opportunities will come around. And maybe sometimes I say that in the end, but I, I do feel like with the anger and frustration and the sadness, um, in many cases, they want to be listened to and, and feel like I'm really focused on them, focused on what they're saying and that we're listening, which is the key to the seven habits and maintaining that relationship in the future and, frankly, being able to support them when the time comes with actual advice. And, and they have allowed me a few times to give advice. <laughs> <laughs> And that's tricky, too, at best, right? Um, yeah. It can be tricky, yeah. But what you're talking about, uh, people, I think your children and your adult children and actually whomever you're talking to, we, we don't need to hear platitudes. That's not really helpful. Everything's going to get better. Maybe things won't get better. They might get worse. But um, I know. Yeah. So that's not, but you're talking about listening, empathizing, and, and I'm sure each one of your one's 20, one's 27, they come from different places themselves. So that's, the, you know, each person has a set of unique experiences, right? Um, Definitely. Yeah. And um, dealing with that, are uh, either one of them living with you? No. Um, the, the youngest one, I think, will be moving home, had a lease where it wasn't going to expire and stayed in, um, it stayed at home with a roommate. And the oldest one actually lives with her fiancé, so, and has for a couple of years. So um, I, they, I'm lucky they live close enough to me that once we felt comfortable, I've seen my children pretty regularly, but uh, I, I totally have a different experience than many of your listeners. I'm not thinking every day about how to help with homeschooling and summer activities and all of that is a completely way more, in my mind, difficult situation than I'm in. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's a certain age group of kids where it's really going to have a, 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 an impact. Uh, kids who, spe- elementary school kids, middle school kids who are supposed to be learning, homeschooling, that kind of stuff. If they're younger, that, that that's not quite as imp- or isn't important. Or if they're older or high school and above, they're more, tend to be more disciplined. So there's a whole lot of, there's so many different variables, I guess, is what we're talking about. But even given that, if you apply these seven habits, um, it will put you in a better place, no matter what your, the context is for what's happening. No matter how difficult. And as I said, when we first started to talk, the more difficult, the greater the challenge, the more applicable in how not only difficult it is to apply them, 
which is why it's habits and it's effective, but more important to apply them in order to make a difference, both at the personal, the relationship, if you're in an organization and in your community level, it becomes more important. And believe me, I've never met someone perfect in applying them, but the effort in applying them makes a significant difference. And one of the books that has actually sold millions of copies as well is Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens, which uh, takes these habits and makes them much more applicable. There's also cartoons in them, which uh, <laughs> makes it... <laughs> And even Seven Habits of Happy Kids, which apply them at a very low level, some of our, not low level, um, younger level, um, some of our best work is done with K through 12 in building leaders in schools. So they're applicable at all levels. It's just a different level of how developed your brain and your ability to apply. But I've been so amazed with what children can do with it as well. So these, all of these books are really timely and really needed. You talk about teens. I've had a lot of people on my show and talking about the difficulties with living with teenagers, you know, isolated, quarantined with teenagers. That's a whole other set of, of, of issues and problems. So that's, that's one book. Um, we have a couple minutes left. So let's talk about where you, websites we can go to for more information about all of these books and about your work and what you're doing. Thank you. Um, we, I work for um, the Franklin Covey organization. You can find more information about us on franklincovey.com. We have quite a bit of information around the seven habits. And while we've been talking about applying it personally, how organizations are applying that work to build resilient, more collaborative, more agile, more social-emotionally intelligent workforces, um, and, and also the other work that we do around building trust, building leaders, productivity, sales, uh, and and uh, the key. Con- and actually, we, we're working with quite a few organizations around how to achieve their highest priorities um, through a, a increased execution. So we, we are excited about the work that we do. Uh, more information about the books can be found on the website as well. Of course, all of these are available audio, um, and physical through all of the channels through which you would access your materials. Great. It's been a a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, Jennifer, we've been talking to Jennifer Colosimo, and she is the Senior Vice President of Sales, Franklin Covey. Uh, Today, we've been talking about the seven habits of highly effective people. But as she mentioned, there are many, many more books in this whole series that are are applicable today. Um, Stay healthy and safe. And I always say stay sane as well. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 